Welcome to The Brew, a podcast series which deep dives into trending topics about business and culture. Now sit back and join in on the conversation over a cup of freshly brewed coffee. Well, welcome to The Brew. I'm your host, Valtteri Salamaki, and today it's just me and Luis, the other managing partner of Free Logic Media. Correct. Uh, and we'll be talking about uh, the importance of pursuing entrepreneurship in college, and we're going to be ending the show also with a roast to one of our favorite companies, uh, Quibi. Uh, we'll really be going into details about uh, that company. Um, but it's, it's exciting to be back. Last week, I had a, a mini medical emergency, and I was not able to join the show. But I wouldn't say it was mini. It, it, was, was, pretty, pretty it was pretty serious. But, pretty I mean, serious, aside man. from that, now we're back. Um, and today, we have a really good show. I've, I've always wanted to talk about this topic because a lot of times, uh, especially in the realm of entrepreneurship, people think that it requires experience to get started. Yes. And I think that's where I really wanted to get into this conversation because from your like personal entrepreneurial ventures, kind of freelancing my personal entrepreneurial ventures, that's why we're here today. Yep. So we can really talk about how we took those risks and like why we did them and like how it led it. And that's actually gonna be a good kind of conversation to lead into our next guest that we're gonna have yeah. on next Saturday um, to really talk about like building a company from scratch, especially in a pandemic. Absolutely, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I there's a lot of ways we can start this, I think. <laughs> There's, there's like the, because there is like there's we can start. What, why don't we do this? Why don't we just talk about how we kind of justified, um, starting any kind of entrepreneur venture in our own lives. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll let you take the floor with that. Okay. How we kind of justified it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I've always wanted to pursue entrepreneurship. Like anybody who's known me since high school, going into college, they know that entrepreneurship always been a thing for me, but I never knew how to get started. And I always was kind of like. Yeah, I want to have my own business, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, so the the main thing for me is just, my justification was that you're not going to learn unless you try. And that was just like start my, my freshman year of college. Uh, I, me and my brother uh, started a tea import export business which was very interesting because we we've back then we're like oh yeah we can make so much money off tea even though the united states doesn't really drink tea as heavily as europe a very foreign view <laughs> of uh, of uh, the united states yeah but we started with something what we knew and that we started was, with something I yeah think, exactly which is important exactly and that, actually that that goes into the point of like the difference between a dreamer and entrepreneur right is an entrepreneur actually gets started so yep. um my very first idea was the import export we got we got some camera issues or was, was it going I'm just on? staring directly into it. Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, just double checking. But I mean, the, the the where I where I got started once again was uh, building out this business idea based off something I knew, and it immediately failed, of course, because uh, we didn't really have any understanding of operations, we didn't have any understanding of marketing, we didn't have any understanding of sales. Uh, I was a freshman in college. My brother's background at this point also was in marketing, but he was getting into accounting. Um, and we had an idea, but it really didn't hold ground. Um, but that idea at least got me started and then the idea failed. And I'll go into like why that was so important for like that initial start point for me yeah. in entrepreneurship because that actually trickled into like where we are today. But that, at least for me, my, my justification was for it is that uh, in college, you are surrounded by over 20,000 
scholars. Mm -hmm. Not going to say every single student per se is a scholar, but that being said, you're still surrounded by so many people that are at least pursuing, you know, higher education. You're surrounded by different competencies, engineers, um, you know, computer scientists, musicians. So it's it's the time where I was like, okay, it's the lowest risk. I'm in college. I don't have any other financial burdens on me right now. I can at least take this leap of faith and see where it goes. Yeah. And, and I took that leap of faith and it eventually failed. But the lessons I learned from it were amazing, which I'll, which I'll go into some more details. But I'm, I'm curious for you, like what, what got you at least like started in the concept of entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, I think that it's one of those things like from a small age, you kind of are in that realm of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, like I remember even being like a little kid, um, like me and my next door neighbor, um, we went around uh we literally walked up and down the entire like four blocks of like our street and started asking people if they needed somebody to like tend to their lawn so whether that's like lawn mowing or like literally like uh cutting hedges and stuff like that like that's that for me is the first uh, like real point of like entrepreneurship in my own life um but it was like mowing lawns for people mm -hmm. like as a as a middle schooler so it wasn't like anything that was like crazy but it 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 put in my brain this weird mentality of just like um i can do it by myself yeah and that to me started sparking other things so like you, i went in high school didn't do anything after that um and then it wasn't until i was at valley college and i was a part of the marketing department that um it's this weird kind of um kind of thing where like the, the I think the main thing the main reason why people don't get into entrepreneurship is confidence yeah you know it's like you don't have the confidence in you that that would push you into doing something solo doing something on your own or doing something with a small group of people because at the end of the day that's what it is either yeah. you're doing a startup mentality where you have a small group of people that you're starting something with or it's just you as a solo venture um, but after joining the marketing department at Valley College and seeing that I could do it, you know, like seeing that I could handle um, marketing campaigns, paid mm -hmm. campaigns, um, seeing that I could do photography, seeing that I can do all this kind of stuff. Um, that's when I really doubled down. And I said, you know what, I think I could do this on my own. I think I could go shoot weddings. I think I could bring on clients to do their paid social to just general social media strategy for them. Um, and the way that went about for me, at least, I, and I think that I'm I wouldn't say I'm an anomaly, but I, I would say that I have a different mentality than than some people where it's yeah. like I and I, you, you see this when I'm just when we talk and it's like, oh, we should reach out to this person. I'm like, all right. And I just reach out to yeah. them. I just go and I just, you know, I try to connect with them. Um, my mentality, the whole thing was I just went out and I looked for people who maybe have somebody or know somebody who need who's having a wedding or some sort of photography needs, um, whether that's business, personal or or you know, like I said, the wedding, yeah. um, which I think is the big one. Like I still shoot them today. Um, uh, but the marketing thing like that one, I literally just went to small businesses. I, I walked, I knocked on doors, uh, boots on the ground kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, um, I was like, I don't know much. I was dead honest with them. I was like, I don't know much. Um, but I'm starting to learn. And I'm right now I'm managing this. So I, t I, get, I told them who I am, what I do, what I'm managing. Um, and then I told them, like, look, for, like, way cheaper than you'll find it anywhere else, like, dirt, dirt cheap, we're talking, like, 200 bucks a month, mm. I can I can do this for you. And um, and I think I can I can bring some growth for you. Uh, and then I did that. And then I learned. Sometimes I do it for free. Yep. You know, like, it didn't matter to me. I wasn't trying to 
I wasn't trying to go from not having anything to having this massively successful entrepreneurial venture. venture. And that's important. That's really yeah. important. You have to hedge your bets. Yeah. Um, yeah, you go and you you start just being like, hey, I can do this for you. And then, then that works. And then they uh, tell other people about you. Mm-hmm. And then they contract you. The next minute, you know, you went from making $200 extra a month, which is cool. Yeah, that's gas money. Um, to now you're making like a thousand dollars extra a month because you have a bunch of businesses that for some reason, and I, I say this like still to this day, cause like I, I look back, I'm like, I had like less than a year of experience under yeah. my belt in marketing and I was still studying marketing at community college. Um, but because I went in, I was fully transparent and I was like, Hey, look, I could do this for you. Maybe like they were like, I'm willing to hedge that bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go from that and it really puts the confidence behind you, but like you have to be able to to know that at the moment you don't have the confidence right and you have to know that maybe right now you can't do what like a microsoft needs Mm -hmm. you know like i if i if i had just started and i had went to like a massive company and been like oh yeah i could do your marketing for you like straight up like whatever you're paying ten thousand dollars a month i could do for five hundred dollars a month like no absolutely not you have to be realistic with yourself you have to say i went up to these businesses and i said i don't know a lot but i know enough to know that you're not doing enough um and then you get them you talk to them you talk to them like a person um and and hopefully that seeing growth with those people gives you the confidence to then say oh i could i could do this big time like i could actually go and study this and 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 pursue this in a bigger scale um but the as far as like the justification goes it's like why not mm-hmm. that at the end of the day and i think you agree with that it's like it's this mentality of like Wow, you're in school. What else are you doing? You have your your risk window. You're, you're like your the buffer of risk that you have when you're in college is so huge. Yep. Um, it's it's it, it's massive. Like I I can't I can't even begin to describe just how big it is because like you literally if you fail at your entrepreneur venturship entrepreneurial venture venture um you just go back and study like yeah. and then figure it out <laughs> like it's not like it's not like if you fail you are now on the streets you're a student you're you're learning this stuff um which is a lot more than a lot of people can say who are doing it day to day you know yeah no and i i think you brought up an important part which is like when when you're starting an entrepreneurship you're starting with a venture sure yeah like you you want to have this like billion dollar idea and you want to make a lot of money and all these kinds of things but the realistic approach especially if you're in college your approach should just be to learn learn how it is to be an entrepreneur the skill set's very different from corporate america it's not you're not doing a routine task you're doing so many things and it's really around like the relationship building you're talking about and your own confidence and that's what you should be focusing in on college especially is building out building out your network building out your own confidence and doing small wins so yeah do pro bono work do very very cheap work for clients and and get results get case studies but i I think it's an interesting point what you brought up as well about like how you started entrepreneurship like very very early on and like it's the same thing for me like some people innately gravitate towards entrepreneurship not to say that just because you innately gravitate towards it that that it's one is for you and then those that don't that entrepreneurship isn't for you Mm -hmm. that's that's also a false kind of context but like for me the first time I actually like looking back, the first time I ever really thought about entrepreneurship was when I was in third grade. <laughs> and the reason why, yeah, I was in third grade. I used to collect quarters, you know, like like the state quarters, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I used to like what I remember at lunch. I used to like uh, I used to have the state quarters of the different um, ones that my friends didn't have back in school, and I used to trade them. But because I knew the value of it, I would trade that one quarter 
for more quarters. So I would trade one quarter for a yeah. dollar. And at that point, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I can actually create value from, like, a, a need, right? Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, at that age, I obviously didn't get that. But, like, now looking back, I was like, oh, okay, slowly getting it. Mm. So, if you're very interested in entrepreneurship, it's not you don't have to make these big ideas. Like, you don't have to create, like, a massive billion-dollar idea. Actually, the best startups are just redefining things that already exist. Yeah, like, absolutely. making them a little bit better, um, helping out businesses. So as I as I got older, you have to also look at like what do you want, and then what can you provide for other people? Like what experiences do you have? What skill sets do you have that other people might not have? I still remember in college, um, my my budget heavily obviously was going into um, well not heavily but like on weekends I I, I I I bought you know six packs of beers and stuff like that and it was expensive. Like IPAs are not cheap. They're Don't get not me wrong. Cheap. They're not a cheap. good good IPAs. Good are not IPAs cheap. especially. So yeah, what yeah. I did was. I was a gym rat and like I knew like fitness schedules. So what I did was I helped people with their fitness schedules for six packs of beers because for them, the cost. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Oh my God. For them, the cost of it was like they like if I told you pay me $20 an hour, right? For what I'm doing for you versus buy me a six pack of beer. It's completely different. It's very different. Yep. So people are more likely to pay for that six pack of beer, which I was going to buy anyways for that weekend. So I was looking at gaps and like doing stuff like that. But that's literally like, that's literally entrepreneurship. It's just, yeah, absolutely. you're creating these like gaps that people might have knowledge gaps, information gaps, market gaps. Your job is to do problem solving. So my biggest thing for anybody who wants to get into entrepreneurship is when they get started, especially in college, look at something you know, like mm -hmm. you, you care about, you know about it, and then look at if there's problems around it. Yeah. And if people have a gap around it. So whether that is in fitness, whether that is in paid ads, and paid ads is a very easy route to go and you can get certifications for free on Google and on Facebook. We talked about this two episodes yeah, ago. You can get all these certifications. As many as you want. Exactly, and it's, it's free knowledge. But then let's say that you're going into a venture and you have a really great idea. Well, when you get started, and this is what I wish I knew when I got started, like the very first tea business, uh, before I like, it was a hunch. And I was just like, let's, let's drop like a couple hundred dollars each, me and my brother, and let's buy a bunch of tea and then sell it. We did make a couple thousand off the front, but then it just never grew from there. Yeah. But the thing is, as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of hunches. You shouldn't just assume that the hunch is correct. You should validate it. Yeah, you're constantly proving and disproving hypotheses. Exactly. So this is where I think understanding like entrepreneurship is really like a scientific method yep. to be honest you should come up with a hypothesis and say this is what i want this is what i think the market needs but in order to actually do it why don't you just ask those people that are going to buy from you the customers mm -hmm. that market and just ask him because it's scary like exactly. a lot of with a lot of people <laughs> it goes back to the con like we've both been through the icor program mm -hmm. at ucr so we your first time going through the program like i even even for me, like we both did sales in, in, in some way, shape or form. So we both have had experience dealing directly with people, like very viscerally directly with people. Um, but still, when you first did the i program and you had to go and ask people in in the hub or wherever you asked them um, about your business. I mean, it was terrifying for me. How, mm -hmm. how was it for you? Uh, in the, the first couple of times, it was terrifying just because... Yeah. Um, and actually, that is a very good point. And that's why you have to just kind of go after it and, and pursue it because yeah. you, it's, it's an experience thing. Like the very first time you do it, um, it's hard to go to like an executive of a company. It's hard to go oh, to like... Terrifying. It's terrifying. And then and then asking questions. And then your questions are not even like you're not selling your idea. You're not doing anything. You're just literally asking them like what they need and if you're, like your idea has any ground to like if they would buy it. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I still remember like the very first customer discovery interview because that, when I was doing the iCore program, I was working on IoT solution. So yeah. smart home technologies, anybody who has them, um, they don't talk to each other. So if you have an Apple product and you have an Amazon product, they're not going to talk to each other. And it's a problem because a lot of people, I know yourself, you have like Apple TVs and you have all these like Apple products. Yeah, and I can I can talk on that for a quick <laughs> second, but I'll let you finish your thought. <laughs> yeah, so like... The, my solution for it was creating a platform that allows you to um, trade in those products to create a third tier market and also creating an integration app that actually talks to each other. So like a smart home hub that they can actually talk to each other. Yeah. There's a solution for it now. Like what I was working on now exists, which is crazy. Like that that's literally how entrepreneurship works. Like if you have an idea, a thousand other people have the same idea. Yep. But I still remember when I was talking with individuals, I was trying to understand what the market is. Am I going B2B or B2C? So am I going business to business or business to consumer? Uh, first, I was thinking business to business. So I was talking with executives of companies about creating security systems and like the smart systems within their office space to make their efficiencies get better. Yeah. First interview I ever had, I choked up on the second question. Cry? No, I didn't cry. Okay. Don't worry about that. That's all that, ma- all that matters. But I, I remember I choked up on the second question and I didn't. I, I freaked out. And I didn't know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I literally just said, <laughs> I was just like, um, so would you be interested? I literally just went straight to, so would you be interested? Like oh that was the first, th- the first thing in the back of my mind. Yeah. And this just shows you like, like back then, like I, I was a president of a business organization on campus. I, I did sales before I did all these things, but because it was a new thing for me for the very first time venturing into the unknown, I was like, crap, but the scary, th- it's super scary. But the thing is you have to be comfortable with that. So after that, I reflected on like, why did I mess up? And the reason why was because I didn't prep enough. I didn't understand who I was talking yes. to. And I also immediately was assuming that individual was above me. Mm. And that is the biggest life lesson I learned is that you should never talk to anybody that they're over you or under you. Yep. You should oh, yeah, over under. Yeah. <laughs> not today. Not, not today. today. Not today. But uh, I realized right at that moment, like when you talk to anybody, whether it be an executive of a billion dollar company, whether it be someone who's a janitor, talk to everybody with the same level of respect yep. because that respect will be reciprocated right back to you. Absolutely. And actually like high level executives respect you more because a lot of times they are talked as if they are above somebody else. Yeah. So you can already see that dichotomy right there. I mean, I think I brought it before, but the first time I met uh, Jack, what's Dangerman, right? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? First time I met Jack, um, for anyone who doesn't know who Jack is, uh, the CEO of Esri. the biggest company in the Inland Empire, Esri, <laughs> a billionaire in, in every way, shape, and form. The first time I met him, I didn't know who he was. So when he was, when I was sitting at the table with him, I was just shooting the shit with him the whole time. I was just like, <clears throat> I was cracking jokes. Um, we're making each other laugh. Yeah. Um, and then someone came up to me and said, oh, at the very end of the, of the event, at the time I was a, a um, what, is it, what is it called again? Like a transfer student mentor or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, for the School of Business. So that's why they sat me at, at certain tables. Um, and at the end of the day, they were like, oh, do you know who you were sitting by? And I was like, no, I have no idea who that dude was. And they were like, oh, that's the CEO of Esri. And I was like, I'm never getting hired at Esri in my <laughs> life. I was like, there's no way, you know? Um, cause we literally, I just thought he was a regular dude. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time I met him, he recognized me. We were at say, his dinner again and it was this weird feeling of like, I know who you are, but he, he didn't immediately his, like, it seems like his barriers were like lower Yeah. immediately. And he, and he was having a conversation with me, like in a way that is just like, like you and me right now, yeah. like we're just talking, having a good time. 
Um, and that to me lowered my barriers. And I was like, all right, man, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Like, let, let's get, let's get to some fun combo, you know? Um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said. Um, especially I, I love the point that you brought up of like you going back when you had your first kind of trip, mm-hmm. um, when you couldn't really remember the second question, um, and looking back and, and actually introspecting and looking and saying, okay, where did I mess up? Where were the, the faults for me? Um, I'm of the belief that and I, I say this like very cautiously but I think that with most people I'm, I'm really including myself here it's like 80 to 90 percent of issues that you find in your day-to-day life can be solved with introspection yep um, if you just take 30 minutes of your day in the morning when you first wake up wait set your alarm 30 minutes early you know set your alarm 30 minutes earlier and dedicate that time to you just sitting down um, whether you're meditating or whether you're journaling, whatever it is, um, sit down and then, and then write like, what, what am I scared of? Um, and what, what do I think the outcome of that is? Yep. Um, be like a feeder journal. Uh, it's, it's gaining popularity. It, it, I think it peaked a few years ago, but mm-hmm. that's when I learned about it. Like feeder journaling, where you write down your fears, um, in the morning, what you're scared of, what you are most cautious of and, and what you think the outcome is going to be. Um, and then in the in the middle of the day or at the nighttime before you go to bed, you look at it and you and you go, is that realistic? Like, yep. is my fear justified, or is this me just going, it, just overthinking? Yeah. Um, doing that bit of introspection is so so critical. Like for you, it was realizing that you didn't prepare enough. Yep. Um, that you were not in a position to actually be asking those questions. Uh, and and I think that especially with entrepreneurship introspection looking inward and saying to yourself am is what i'm offering something that makes sense or is, am i just doing this so i could say i'm an entrepreneur yeah. because i feel like a lot of people do that entrepreneurs that, yeah exactly you you have these people who are like who just start like a shopify site just to say that they're entrepreneurs um nothing's wrong with that as long as you do it you know as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and you're yeah. not just doing it to say to put a title on your exactly to put a title on your on your linkedin um as long as you're doing it for a purpose and you're saying i found a need in the market that Mm -hmm. i think i can fill or i I have a need i I fill a need that people critically want yep um that's the important thing um for you that was trying to figure out how to connect um internet of things which is huge right now i mean there's so much displacement within that then absolutely and yes there something does exist (laughs) and i'm very i'm looking into it sold out all the time yep it's literally always sold out because i have one apple tv and everything else is google in my house and i just want a way to connect my google stuff to my apple tv so when the doorbell rings it pops up on the tv the way it does if you had um like a different camera or different system set up you know it's and it's it's something that I definitely want to look into more and something that is on my watch list of things to purchase. Um, and I think it's it's kind of going back to this, these things like one, I think make people want to start entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. And that I think is, there's, there's just like a massive amount of like fluffy language around starting uh, an actual business venture. It's so glamorous. That's the issue. It's, yeah. it's not supposed to be glamorous, but it is. It sucks. <laughs> like when you when you are actually starting a business, and and I think that there is something to be said. Um, it's easier now for sure. Yeah. Um, because of online shops and e-commerce and everything like that, and and, and, and networks and connections and, and like actual environments that have been built out, like ecosystems have been built out to support student entrepreneurs, yeah. which we'll go into a little bit later. But like, yeah, I mean, it's the easiest time right now 
to build a startup. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, but I think that's a little bit to the detriment yep. of a lot of these entrepreneurs. It's because it's like, I, I look back at, again, I can only speak to my own experiences and, and reflect what I've done in what's going on now and how I kind of perceive stuff. Um, but I look back at how I had to go into, I mean, I didn't have to, but I chose to go directly into small businesses face to face and ask, is the owner here? Um, if not, are you the manager? Can I get the, can I get the owner's number? Can I get the owner's email? Um, some way to communicate with the owner, go directly to the, to the source. Um, I had to do that. I had to put myself out there mm-hmm. in a way that not a lot of people do. Um, and I think that that in a way kind of, um, like calcified me from this sort of it it made me view the importance of this Mm -hmm. where it's like i'm putting all this effort into it i might as well see this thing through you know whereas now it's there's so many resources out there and so easy that there's there's this this divide i think people who are legitimately going to be entrepreneurs right people who have that mindset who have that wherewithal to fail, get back up, fail, get back up, resilience. they're going to do it. Yep. They have the resilience to keep going. Um, but the people who have a sort of okay idea, they go through it, and when they immediately fail, it's done for them. Yep. They don't pivot. You know? They don't change. They don't do anything. Exactly. When, when they immediately fail, it's like, I'm over it. I'm done with it. Entrepreneurship isn't for me. And I think that comes because of the ease of actually being able to start an entrepreneurial kind of thing. Where it's like back in the day, you had to go through all the BS at the beginning of figuring out what you wanted to do, figuring out who the market might be, figure out who you can go to, who you can talk to and, and go at them. Um, that's kind of gone now. Yep. You could just send an Instagram DM, DM yeah. and and hope that you get something back. Um, and I think that that makes a lot of people just a lot of people that would have been amazing entrepreneurs yep. just get scared of it. Just go, uh, it was easy to start. So. It, it's like, oh, they, it's like, it's always, you know, uh, what is it? Keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. And I think that with social media, um, and again, with the ease, this kind of one, two hit, it's now you're not just comparing your business to your industry and what you're doing at your age. Now you're saying, well, this person did exactly what I'm doing and they were successful in six months. I've been doing it for three months and I'm nowhere nearly as successful as them. So I might as well just hedge my bets and get out of here before I can. When in reality, you might have failed. Cool. Fail. Get back up. Start something again. Um, And I think that I think you as well, because you're really involved in the kind of um, startup sort of venture community in the sense of like you are part of accelerators you're part of of incubators Mm -hmm. um you can speak on this this sense of like there's so much access now to these to these minds of these like very intelligent people the geniuses within their industry that i think it's scaring it's 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 not allowing entrepreneurs to get hard like you know like be like get that shell that they need to be able to to fail get back up and look an investor in the eyes and say and don't not even mention their previous venture don't even have have that not even in their mind um because they're on to a whole nother thing yep you know like i said i think you can speak on the kind of confidence and all the stuff that's going into the ease of being able to get people in yeah no absolutely and i mean like just to like add one quick point to like what you're saying about like when you when you fail and like what you're talking about with like talking to small businesses and putting yourself out there and stuff like that you need to understand that even if your startups fail and entrepreneurship is not for you 
you are still building skill sets that I guarantee you majority of business students will not have or even anybody in whatever discipline you're studying will not have. You have interpersonal skills. You can talk with individuals. You can sell yourself. You can sell ideas. These are what high like profile companies want to hire because they're not hiring you because you got your education from whatever like university, right? They care that you can actually provide them value. And somebody who's a go-getter and actually can like sell themselves, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's like, even if you're in a department where sales has nothing to do with it, you still have to sell yourself to get a negotiation, get a price for like a salary raise, right? Mm -hmm. So the skill sets you learn for entrepreneurship, even if you fail in college, and that's why we're talking about low risk environment, fail as much as possible, learn from it. Even if you fail a thousand times, you can still, you're actually more likely to get a really good job afterwards. And then maybe it is not for you, but don't just yeah. give up because your first idea failed. Because I failed, I think I have to like cal- calculate it out, but like at least six ventures before I like actually hit something that made sense. And as for you were talking about like the ease of building a, a startup, now we have programs at universities that are literally giving you early access capital. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if your university has an I-Corps program, not not every you know university has this, but if you do have an I-Corps program, apply for it. You get $3,000 of capital to do customer discovery to validate if your idea even has any ground so you're not wasting your own money to then actually pursue an idea. That's an amazing thing. Like mm-hmm. putting money up front, I, I get that's like the risk that a lot of college students don't want to do. You have programs for that. You have pitch competitions. You can actually go and then pitch your idea and learn how to pitch your idea because that's like the most important thing is how do you actually sell your idea to somebody else and get them to buy in. So those are opportunities. And even once again, if you don't get those, you just got public speaking experience from that. Then from there, university programs also have access to uh, direct connections into accelerators and incubators in local areas. And you can get put into networks. I'm lucky enough to be part of the Techstars community, which is massive entrepreneurial network. And because of that, I have connections to different states, different venture ideas, different verticals, and I can reach out and network and talk with these individuals. But to get to that standpoint, you have to go through these failures. You have to kind of go through the cycle effect and build your network out so that you can then get credibility that you're serious about entrepreneurship. Because entrepreneurs really actually want to help each other. I just had a recent call with another um, UCR entrepreneur yesterday about his venture. And he, he's a mechanical engineering student. And right now he's he really wants to pursue his startup full time. But he's struggling because he's going to graduate. And it's kind of like, I, obviously, you got to pay your bills, but you got to pursue yeah. your startup. And I was giving him advice. Like, I dealt with the same thing. I, I, I figured that's why actually one reason, not, not saying that's the reason why I did my MBA, but that's one of the reasons why I did my MBA to give me more time to work on my ventures and, yeah. and build my own uh, competencies around business. But then afterwards, you have to then choose. If you're serious about entrepreneurship, you might have to take that part-time job. You might have to work at a coffee shop or do stuff that like your, your degree has nothing to do with just to have the flexibility to work on it. Yep. But if entrepreneurs see you're serious about it, they will help you out. They'll give you advice. They'll connect you with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that honestly goes down to the most important thing. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to learn something called the ask. The ask is the most important thing possible. That is knowing how to ask for help. Yep. <laughs> it is that simple. It is you're doing this with your venture and you know what you need to get into the next level of your venture and you can ask other individuals to connect you provide you resources to get you there and a lot of times people think that when you build a startup what you need is capital capital is yes it's important but it's honestly i would put it down to like the third or fourth thing that you need as a startup I feel like time would be the most important thing that you need. time your team yeah 
your network, and then capital. Because if you don't have time to do what you're trying to do, your venture will not move forward. And I can guarantee that because that's exactly why I, I decided to leave uh, Esri and have the opportunity to pursue free logic and Edge Sound Research full time so that I had time to really dedicate my time to that venture. And because the, they wouldn't move forward, it would just kind of get stuck. And that's yeah. why, luckily, like Nick Hill left Deloitte and we were like building out this venture all together because we're leaving to create time to then build out the venture. Yep. The, the, um, the second part to that is your team. So if you cannot build a team around you and you cannot have a coalition to move your for idea forward, it's gonna go very slowly because your time is limited to your own time. And you might not have all the expertise or competencies around your idea to actually make it come to life. So that's one thing also like I love about FreeLogic is like all our competencies are in different areas and we can support each other and we can, we can balance out and we're hiring that way too. Like yeah. what is our weak point? Let's hire there, let's build our team there because it moves your venture faster. And then it goes into your network. By having a strong network, now when you have these like blockades, you can ask like, hey, can I get support here? Do you know anybody I can talk to about here? Can I get advice here? Once again, you have to be confident enough to like ask and like build out that network and network with people and reach out. And then it comes capital because obviously you need money to make more money. Yeah. But that's the last thing because if you don't have those first three things first, that capital is gonna do no good for you. You're just gonna be sitting on money and you're gonna burn it and your venture is gonna fail. And yeah. that, that's the unfortunate reality because the startup world nowadays, uh, even investors, they're not investing into your idea per se, they're investing into the founder. They're investing Absolutely. into the team because like I said, a thousand people might have the same idea, but it's up to the team to actually actualize that idea. And if, if investors don't feel confident that your team can do it faster than somebody else or do it more efficiently than somebody else or actually like build it into a company, they will not put money into you. So those are, those are things to think about because while you're in college, this is why I always tell college students, if you're a business student, you should be talking with engineers. You should be talking with computer Absolutely. scientists. You should be talking with uh, stu students, like med school students, like whatever, like law school Humanity students. students. Humanity students. Talk with as many people as possible. Network across the realm. Yep. Do not bucket yourself in whatever you're studying because then when you actually are building your venture out and you only know business people, you have to code an app, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna find? <laughs> not yeah, going to. It's it's tough, man. I, I think that, I think, you, I think, yeah, I agree with all the points you brought up as far as like what's, what resources you should be kind of focusing on and what honestly kind of limits um, a lot of this like entrepreneurial growth at the, at the end of the day. Um, one thing that, that I definitely want to kind of ad like address in this like half of, of the, uh, of the podcast is like, is, is just the idea that you kind of touch on a little bit, which is like one of the reasons why you pursued your MBA was to give yourself more time, yep. uh, more time to really uh, dive into what you found important and what you thought might actually work. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's something that I think is um, is important and can also be like people's to people's detriment, mm -hmm. where it's just like if you are going into college being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an entrepreneur, I'm gonna I'm gonna really pursue entrepreneur kind of stuff. I think that. I mean, I mean, at least me personally, I, I've never, I've never sat down with a, a piece of paper and been like, oh, you know what? I'm going to start a business right now and like start like jotting down business ideas, you know? Um, so, so I will, I will say this. Um, if you are someone in college who is even has like an, an, an inkling of entrepreneurial mindset, um, don't, I mean, I say this like as, as matter of fact, um, but at least for me, it's like, don't don't go out of your way to pursue this stuff. Yep. Um, because 
if it's something that is a good enough idea or something that really truly ha- like hits you, it's gonna come to you. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think this is this is broad for all topics, um, where it's it's not just like a business idea where it's like i mean some people literally it's like i had a dream that there was this business and and they did it and that's like to me that's the strangest thing that's that's like divine intervention in some kind of way where it's like cool man like pursue that yeah um uh if you literally had a dream about a business and you went and you created it that's awesome like that's really cool but for most people it's it's a there comes a point where you get hit with this um moment of of friction yep where you you are like oh crap like i can't I can't do something I wanted to do because mm. of this friction point. And I think that is when you should start looking at how you can eliminate that friction point. It's not necessarily like, um, oh, I'm I'm in college now. Oh, I, I have to think about how to pursue entrepreneurial ventures. I, I have to like, I have to make my own business or else I'm going to go work for like the man, you know, or else I'm going to work a nine to five kind of thing. Um, there's, nev- there's never ever been a time frame on when you start these businesses absolutely there never is a time frame you could be 90 years old and you can start a business um you could be 10 years old and start a business i mean what uh the founder of canva how old was she when when she started canva she was in high school wasn't she yeah she was like 17 or something like that 17 16 17 with the idea yeah yeah exactly so it's like there's like you can look at her as an example and in which case or kfc yeah look at the colonel it's like you have these it's it there's a window mm-hmm. obviously like with anything in, in life there's a window of time that you can do it it just so happens that with this entrepreneurship the window is massive yep um it's honestly kind of never ending in a lot of ways um so i i would i would stress this kind of idea of like um, like hey but then again like you might be different you might be someone who can who can identify pain points immediately and uh and jot them down like jot down like a list of pain points and then do some customer discovery figure out which pain point is more um uh more prevalent Mm. uh throughout like the industry and pursue that in in some way you know i mean that's why so many people still do like um plumbing businesses still do like why you have so many plumbers why you have so many salons why you have so many of these like very tangible businesses these these, at the end of the day they're still entrepreneurs because they're starting their own business yeah they're figuring out they do it different than someone else and they think they do it better um and and it, it, it's i mean that now i'm kind of touching on the fact that entrepreneurship is huge yeah like you don't have to be it is not the billion dollar tech idea like exactly. that that's why you don't I, have to I, be a unicorn yeah you need to people need to get away from that like that yeah. that notion is why it's so glamorized like you're you're, you're seeing like good old elon musk even even elon failed multiple times and he struggled in entrepreneurship a lot of times yeah. and then paypal came along and that was his trigger and then tesla and tesla was even about to fail and then he built that up so like yeah don't think of entrepreneurship as I need to come up with the next billion dollar app or this whatever entrepreneurship is a journey and it's a it's a methodology of thinking so like to your point like these things will come up and if if you are serious about entrepreneurial thinking you'll you'll go through the process of testing validating failing learning and going through that cycle multiple multiple times yeah I mean to your point I would say I I kind of go into that spectrum of like I I identify pain points because that's just like how my mind works Mm -hmm. and the way I do that is I'm a very big skeptic so I always challenge what is the norm, and that is a that is a process that I've I've been learning myself since I started college, which is don't assume that anything that exists right now is the best way to do it. Not to say that like well, the the rule of thumb is like if it's not broken, like, don't why fix don't fix it. Um, that being said, don't just assume just because it works right now that that is the best way to do it. 
Yeah. The best startup ideas are small tweaks in operations, in small things in marketing, in small things in branding that can make it better. I mean, yeah. taking count Jabez, like it's the same concept. Like when I heard that Gerson was building out a barbershop, I went in there and I just experienced what the barbershop was like. And I was like, this is cool, but this is a barbershop. It's a student barbershop, student founded barbershop, but it's just still a barbershop. Mm. Why not make it bigger than a barbershop? Why not make it a lifestyle thing? Why not make it tech integrated? Why not leverage these things? And just small tweaks, just having a website, just having a booking system, just having these small things tripled their profits. Obviously, COVID is a different story, which looking at 2021, we have a good approach of how do we tackle that as well. But that's a good point. Barbershop is the most traditional business ever. We're not trying to redefine barbers. Like that's not gonna happen, Mm -hmm. but we're redefining how the experience is within a barbershop. It's just that small tweak can create massive profits. So don't ever assume that your idea has to be like an app, technology, all these kinds of things. It can be, all right, let's say the music industry, super traditional. Why don't we just make a talent pipeline for college students so that they can actually get a chance and perform? There we go, acoustic cave. Like literally there's, there's small things that can be built out. And that's a lot of the things we do at FreeLogic, especially is we're not trying to like replace and like, you know, disrupt things. We're trying to redefine things, make them incrementally better because yeah. that can create massive wealth. And I think if students learn that process of like, don't look at try, like what you're saying, don't try to be like, I'm going to jot down like these amazing ideas. Just look at, all right, this coffee shop does this. What are they doing good? What are they doing bad? What would I like to increase? And just jot that note down. And now you can potentially come to an idea mm-hmm. and now you can start a venture. It doesn't have to be this crazy process of coming up with a, a unicorn company. Yeah, I, I think I think getting getting rid of that notion of like um, anything, if I'm, if I'm an entrepreneur or, I'm, or, I'm, or I want to make a startup, it has to be this like huge, like, oh, I need to get, I need to get like a million dollar seed funding and I need, to, I need to be evaluated by my series A. I need to be at like a hundred million dollars. Like, no, it's like you at the end of the day. And again, this goes back to my, my uh, initial point. It's at the end of the day, you should be worried about filling a need that is there. Yep. You should, you should not, your concern should not be money. Yep. There will now if you make a successful business and you're still running that successful business, and then you can say, okay, how can I then invest in other businesses? Um, maybe then your concern is a little bit more about monetary gains as opposed to necessarily um, ideas or, or, or filling this kind of need. Yep. But when you, the people who get to that point are few and far between. You know, when you start actually being an angel investor and a seed funder and everything like that, um, when you're starting a venture, you shouldn't be worried about, okay, how, how am I going to make a million dollars revenue in the first like three years? Mm-hmm. You know, you should be worried about, okay, if I am filling the need that I've identified with people, eventually that money will come. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have to focus on every single person that I bring into the fold and, and make sure that I'm I'm fixing the friction point that they had and I'm making it so they can then perform more optimally. Um, and one of the reasons why I, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I love what we're doing here at FreeLogic is um, we don't, we're not necessarily going, okay, how can we be a, a, a seven figure business in the, in the next like year? We're saying, okay, let's settle down. Let's, let's have this notion of um, we see a need 
in the in the industry in in uh in like business consulting in every way shape and form like mm-hmm. whether that's just people not understanding really like how to do business in today's climate people mm-hmm. not understanding how they can transform their businesses with like small tweaks in covid to make sure that they're not going to go under yep. um all these kind of things and it doesn't matter if you're paying us like six figures five figures and doesn't matter if you're paying us four figures like you very rarely are we ever going to look at a business and say especially if they're here in the Inland empire because we, we have a soft spot for that mm-hmm. um very rarely are we ever going to say you don't have enough money for us so uh bye bye you know it's, i think twofold two reasons for that um one i don't think any of us have ever um are, we're just not like that yep you know, I don't, I don't think we've ever looked at it in like a, um, all we want is money. And that's important. Like you have to build your team around that. Like Absolutely. everybody has to believe in the same core competencies. What are you, what are you doing? Like, obviously you have to have a revenue model and create wealth, but that doesn't mean that that it's should pursuing that, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like you shouldn't look at next year. I'm going to make like, it's, it's different. Like if you're a high growth startup, you have to look at traction points. And like, if you want to get VC rounds and high like institution rounds, so you have to look at how do I create traction points and how do I create enough traction in the market to then get this institutional investment round so I can get the $3 million for whatever valuation, 30% of your company. And then I can grow up because those yep. companies, the idea is you're either going to get acquired or you're going to IPO. If you're building a business that you want to hold for yourselves, like free logic is something that hopefully is something that we do for the next, you know, 50 plus years. And it just we stays around. Exactly. And the idea there is like, we have a rather sustainably grow it and focus on mm-hmm. like our values and like what we believe yep. in and, and how we build a team around that. And really kind of encompasses that same, same mentality. And then our, our, our like measure of success is that we can pay our living wage. Yep. Uh, we can, we can, you know, we don't have to worry about our bills, but also that we're we're building out a structure that really creating an impact yes and then from there growing revenues but first is the impact that is 100 percent what our focus is on because then the capital comes from like micro startups and all these other things that we can reinvest capital into but i think that's an important part of like what you're saying with entrepreneurs and i think that mentality shifted as well because back in the day building a startup was for capital now building a startup is usually for impact. It, it's really changed with millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. Is startup development now is like, okay, great. I have this idea, but how does it create social impact? Absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, look, look no further than our pals over at Slow Bloom, you know, where it's like they are starting this um, because they kind of see the injustice that they kind of went through and they want to try and fix that that gap. They, instead of Instead of them turning around and saying, Oh, um, someone dealt us a bad hand over here and then saying, we're just going to go and replicate the exact same thing over here. They said, no, we understand the values that we hold. And we understand that what happened to us previously was something that we don't want to replicate ever. We Mm -hmm. want to make sure that there are protocols in place that make it so that a, that cannot happen. Um, and B we're still pursuing growth, but in a way that, um, lines up with our values. Uh, it's something that I personally enjoy seeing. It's something that we also uh, pursue here at, at Free Logic, and it's it's something I think that is going to take um, Gen Z entrepreneurship by hold. Yep. Not just hey, how can I make a bunch of money, but hey, how can I make the most positive impact within my community or within the world at large? Whether that's someone's starting, uh, I believe it's Saru. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Um, a UCR venture that is it, are they going through Techstars now? 
So they're or, they got accepted. Actually, I don't I don't know if it's public yet, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna say it. But like they're 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 moving ahead. They have their idea. Their their biggest like so just just for context what Sarah is doing it and I, I love their idea yeah, just, cool. there's just a lot of things that they have to think for logistics wise but they're creating an incentive for people to actually recycle and it's using new kind of recycling bins so you actually get you know your 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 CV that you're supposed to be getting from recycling you get you get it immediately, immediately. Um, so that's great like that's a really smart approach it's it's giving an incentive for college students to actually recycle follow the guidelines and stuff like that which is a big problem when it comes to obviously all these things when it comes to like climate change and all this uh, and, and pollution. So they have a good approach. Even even with them, like it's an impact oriented company that's impact first. Yep. And that's why they have a good starting point. Now what they need to figure out is how do I create a revenue model that then sustains it to then be built out. And I believe if they can figure out that revenue model and the logistics behind it. Golden. Then it's golden because then they'll make money in the future, but it's impact oriented first. And that's why I have a lot of respect for those founders is because they're looking at impact. They're looking at how can I solve a major problem, which is college students do not recycle. We just go to the nearest trash can bin and we just throw it in or do, you know, Kobe and that's it. And like, we just end it right there. And then we don't, we don't actually like care, even though college students do care because they did interviews, they they do care, but we're more convenient oriented than like, you know, yeah ecological so like we're gonna go okay trash can's right there the recycling bin is one mile away where i'm gonna go exactly trash can bin so yeah and, and i think it's uh i mean he, here's a here's a free bit of of advice if you're listening um think about doing a coin you know think about doing a, a cryptocurrency for it why not i mean you they have they have engineers don't they Mm-hmm. I mean, they could theoretically make like a Saru coin or something like that, you know? I feel like now, that would get a little bit too complicated real quick in the cost to develop their company. But like, in I the know future, nothing in about, the future, I, you in know the future. a lot more about coin than I do. Yeah, we're not, we're, I, I missed the blockchain conversation for you last did. week and I'm going to save it for the next time that uh, Professor Rich comes on. Because I actually had so, like, I, I was mad because I had so many comments too to bad. every single one. But I'm going to, I'm going to hold it for for another yeah. time when it comes to, when it comes to blockchain. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're uh, impact oriented. And once again, as college students, they found a problem on the college campus. You're around all these problems. They have different competencies and, and they they build a team around it. So as a college student, going back to our original point, like this is exactly why you start these ventures in college. Like you're around all these people. You see Jesus. all these problems. Yeah. You can build a team. And the worst thing that can happen to any of these startup ventures, like I said, is they fail and they, the individuals learn and then they push it forward. Yeah. But it's the resilience that you build out of it. So biggest thing for entrepreneurs is look at impact look at change look at minor things you can do and then also you have to start building the confidence to venture into the unknown that is that is always the biggest thing and also like if if anybody's listening and and you want to ask us specific questions about like our own uh, experience in entrepreneurship feel free to throw in the chat we can't see it so we're gonna have nick throw it out at us if if there's any questions that come up but i'm looking at the chat right here and can i just say Hello, Alyssa Stump. How are you? <laughs> she's in the chat. Oh, awesome. Yeah. How you doing, Alyssa? Yeah. Um, so she she's obviously a huge advocate of free logic as well. Good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, great friend of mine. And um, it, it's great to have her part of the chat. But the important thing here is building a venture should not be something you have to do alone, but you have to have the confidence to at least get started. You can yes. you can get those connections and the resources afterwards, but as a as an entrepreneur in college step one have the confidence to at least get started yeah and i i think we can when when do we cut into 
being aggressive about getting started. Can we do that now? Yeah, might as well. All right. Um, what, what, what time stamp are we at right now? We're at 50. All right, time to get aggressive. Yeah, what? <laughs> no, because it... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling up the sleeves, but very gently though, because I want to preserve this T-shirt as much as I possibly can. Oh man, it's, can. A, it's a 2020 championship. You can't, you can't That's get right, that. Baby. That's right, baby. <laughs> um, so, so here, here's the thing. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna very much be um, the dad right now. Oh, well, I mean, you got the stash. For I it, got so the yeah. stash for it. Um, just do it. Like it's. Look, it's Nike also. So I mean, this is just. Yeah, this is it, just perfect it, right this, now. This is good. There you go. It, when you when you have bills to pay when you have a rent or mortgage um you student have kids loans. student loans <laughs> for it babies is, it, for <laughs> babies it is terrifying to do like imagine imagine right now you are a student who's thinking about maybe starting a startup right or or do something entrepreneurial right um when you think about something like that it's scary mm-hmm. it's scary because you you don't want to fail. That's always the fear. The fear isn't, I'm, you're never scared of being successful. You're scared of being unsuccessful. You're scared of failure. You're scared because um, maybe you start this thing and you put yourself out there in a, bili- in a really big way. Yep. You, you expose yourself to the world in a way that not a lot of people can honestly look in the mirror and say like, I'm okay with this where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and by exposing yourself, that, that fear of what if I'm not accepted? What if no one likes me? What if my idea is actually really dumb? That typically is what keeps people away yep. from um, from being entrepreneurs in college. Um, stop. Like, like, look, it's very easy for me to say this because I've, I've been in, in this route, but it's also really easy for me to say this because I'm now a graduate and I have these other things where now instead of it being, um, what if they don't accept me? What if they don't like me? What if I'm not successful? What if this is a dumb idea? Now you have, what if I can't pay rent? What if I can't eat? What if I, um, w- you know, what if something comes up and I need to pay like a thousand dollar bill? Yep. Um, these are now the things that are tacked on top of that, mm-hmm. um, that people don't understand. Like when you are in college, when you, whether that's community college, whether that's a four year college, whether you're in a graduate program, um, you have the, the freedom to not just pursue business ventures you have the freedom to do a lot of stuff yep you have the freedom to discover yourself discover what you truly are passionate in discover um friendships that you never thought you would have you you have all of this bubble to to really define who you are in a big way whether that's like yourself going and studying abroad um i think that you can speak to that a little bit but i think that in a big way was the defining moment for you absolutely going seeing how other businesses are doing it around the world, um, being involved in those cultures, seeing what they're doing, how they're doing it. Uh, and then coming back here to the States and being like, Oh, they're doing it better over there. Or maybe they're doing it worse over there. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's this kind of just, just a position of, of identifying factors in, in multiple places in, in the world. Um, do I think that you need to go study abroad in order to get that stuff? I don't, mm-hmm. but I think that opening yourself up to different cultures, opening yourself up to different places allows you to more quickly identify those things. Um, so it, it, it's this it's this feeling that I have in me um, that's very much, um, so what if you look dumb? Yep. You know, so what? Because it's, it's binary. Life, for the most part, decisions are binary. 
obviously beliefs are there's a million shades of gray but decisions are binary either you do something or you don't do something um anytime i'm faced with the decision of whether or not i want to do something or whether or not i don't want to do something um two things go through my mind have i done this before which if i haven't usually i do it yep. because why not i'm going to discover whether or not i like it or i don't like mm-hmm. it right now um um and two it's i and I, I go through this multiple times a week where i i, I well especially when i was doing like uh, fr- uh freelancing and, and doing all this kind of stuff is i i look very deeply at myself and i say when i am on um when i am close to death when i when i am a 70 year old man um sitting on a rocking chair with a mint julep in front of me <laughs> that's what i envision um am, am i gonna am i gonna reflect back on my life and say i'm really happy with the choices i made yeah or am i am i instead going to look at the choices i didn't make mm-hmm. i would much rather the former than the latter me personally i would rather look back at my life and say yeah i failed a bunch but at least i succeeded in some stuff that maybe i didn't think i would and i experienced exactly and i experienced as opposed to um just sitting there at an old age where really there's not much left in the tank um and and being like wow i i really just i was so scared of what other people might think of me that now i'm just here yeah like this is where i'm at now and this is being like very existential but at the end of the day this is what it is at the end of the day you are either going to be on your deathbed very happy with the choices you made or very dissatisfied with the choices you made either you're going to look back and say wow i'm really glad i made those choices and i'm really glad it led me to the position i'm at right now or you're going to say i should have invested more in myself um and i should have listened a lot less to what other people said they did a survey on people who are close to their death. Yeah, I was about to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, they did a survey. And, like, the number one regret was not being yourself, yep. not taking more chances. Um, so I think about that. I think about, do do I want to be the person who does this or does that? Mm-hmm. Um, even with, like, my my own, like, father, like, my my dad, like, being, I'm getting very personal like he tells me all the time he's like i'm so glad that you're doing this yeah. i'm so glad that you are pursuing these things because i was too scared to do it you know and that's coming from my dad and it's just like what like as a uh, as someone my age you look at that and you you don't at when you first hear it mm-hmm. you go okay that's that's cool like i'm glad that i'm making you proud um but then you really think about it and you're like oh crap like yeah. i'm like this is heavy like I'm, I am now doing something that, that maybe, um, that maybe I'm, I'm, it's, it's a weird feeling of being like, I'm more brave than my dad because you know, you grow up and you, you think like, oh, your dad's a hard ass. And you look up. Yeah. Yeah. You look up to them. So it's this, it's this weird kind of passing of the baton where, where now your dad goes, I'm really proud of you. You're doing things that I would never have done at your age. Um, and you're not taking any like shit from anybody, you know, yeah. it's like, and it's like. When you hear it, you're like, cool, dad, thanks. <laughs> but then, like, when, you, when you're when you sitting there alone, you go, oh, wow. Like, now I have this pressure to perform and to and, and, and to kind of put a fire under your butt and be like, you know what? I'm going to take more risks. Yep. If, if my dad is seeing this now, 
um, and identifying this now, and I, I I feel like I haven't taken as many as much risk as I as, as I personally think I could have. Yep. Then maybe there is more to be gained. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and to kind of like break down your points, like the first thing you're talking about is like you're talking about like the whole like what if and uh, being so fearful of what might be that reaction to your friends or other people commenting about you or judging you. That that brings me up. Like, did you watch the um, the the Michael Jordan documentary? I haven't seen all of it. Last chance now. Oh man, like the one the one thing that really really caught me from that one was um, they 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 interviewed Michael Jordan after he hit the game winning three in, in one of the NBA finals and they asked him like, how do you feel when you take that shot? Are you afraid of, you're afraid you're gonna miss? Like like you're the one who's taking that shot always. Are you are you afraid to make a miss? He's like, why would I be afraid of something that didn't happen yet? And I think that that really stuck with me because that is so true. Why are you so scared of things? Because you you don't know what the result is. Mm-hmm. Why, why are you scared to pursue your venture? Why are you why are you scared to do that public speaking presentation? Why are you afraid to reach out to this business? You don't know what the result is. The worst thing that can happen is a no or like yeah you failed, but then you'll learn from it. Like that's yeah. literally the worst thing that can happen. And it's unfortunate because we're we're in this era of comparison because of social media and all these things. You we we glamorize people's success, but we don't really talk about the underlying cause of how they got there. So. Same thing, like social media wise, Instagram, people only post about like the great lifestyle they're having and like all the travels and all these yeah. kinds of things and like their successes. Same thing with LinkedIn. I'm, I'm proud to announce that I got this job and this, but they yeah. don't talk about like all the you know late nights they were working to get that and all the struggles and all the failures they had and all yeah. these kinds of things, which a little plug, like next week we'll have a nice platform that we'll be showcasing in, in, in talking about these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but it, it is so important to talk about like, look, you, you taking that risk and taking that leap of faith allows you to later on say that, yeah, that was maybe not right for me or that wasn't the thing, but you will not ever be able to say that unless you actually tried. Yep. You'll always be stuck on that that pedestal. Like, I really wish I did that. And it's, it's funny because you're talking about your dad, like my dad said the same thing. Now my dad's pursuing entrepreneurship and it, it's it, like our actions actually like really push my dad to want to do it as well because he always wanted to do that at a young age, but he was he was really focused on his his own career path. And same thing with like Nikhil's dad. So it's, it's really funny from like all three of our, our parents like saying the same thing back to us that they wish they did it early on, but they just didn't take that leap or like really, really pursue it. But the reality is, is entrepreneurship and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be entrepreneurship. Whatever you do in life, it's your own journey. Mm-hmm. Don't ever compare yourself to somebody else's or don't, don't take their whatever they're saying about what you're doing as that's the absolute right way. Because that's one thing I learned is Everybody has a different path. Everybody's doing different things. You have, everybody has, you know, different family situations. They might have more money. They might have like whatever their family, like, you might have connections into industries, all these kinds of things. So if you're comparing yourself to another person, you don't really know what they're going through. You don't really know what they're, what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a false correlation to look at somebody else's, like what we talk about Shopify store. They were successful in nine months. Well, maybe that was their seventh Shopify store. You don't know these kinds of things. You you don't. So if you're comparing, you already kind of put yourself in, in a in a bad situation. That's why, like, yeah, you just need to actually take that leap of faith and then try it, especially for the first time. If there's something yeah. you want to do, do it, and you'll you'll definitely learn from it. Yeah. But from my from my own just experience, what I what I've really realized is that by saying yes to things that I feel very uncomfortable about is what has grown me. And I failed so many times, and I used to be a like very like. I'm not going to tell anybody about my failures. I'm not going to tell anybody about like the jobs that I was doing and like the way that I struggled in these companies. But now I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll share that all day long. I, I'm very confident in saying these things because those things made me who I am today. 
And without those experiences, without those failures, without those um, ventures into the unknown, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be chatting today. Um, so it, it's it's this cycle effect. So anybody who's in college and and you're debating about like, I have this idea, but I don't know if my friends will like it. I have this, I want to start this YouTube channel, but I think my friends are going to, you know, laugh. critique me and laugh at me. Crap, man. I, me, me, my brother, my brother's friend, like we, we made a YouTube channel on gaming and I didn't tell anybody back in the day. Now I'm like, dude, I, I love that channel because it yeah. taught me video editing. It taught me like how to build a YouTube community. Man, the videos were terrible editing. I looked at back and I'm like, Nick, you would, you would kill me if you ever saw those videos. But aside from that, now I know how to video edit. Now I know how to use Premiere Pro. Now I know how to like do all these things. Mm. Uh, obviously not to the skill set of our team, but I at least have the competencies and understanding. understanding. And that would never have happened if I didn't just say, oh, let's do it. Let's go for it. Yep. So like what we're saying, like in a very aggressive push, like you, you need to do that. Like yeah. if you're holding yourself back, only person you're hurting is yourself absolutely your your friends don't like if your friends are legit friends they might give you crap in the beginning they might joke they're with good your, friends if they give you crap <laughs> <in the beginning. laughs> absolutely but they'll also still support you they're yes. not they're not going to say they're not your friends anymore just because you're decided to do this this and this they might give you crap and have some thick skin and just say like all right whatever yeah but as as your idea progresses and if it does progress and does well they're going to support you absolutely they'll, they'll push back on it yeah, I have my uh, buddies from high school who I play games with really frequently, and I, I put like our our Twitch in the Discord. And like I, when I first did it, I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're gonna say. I was like, I was terrified. I was like, yeah. I don't know what they're gonna say. Um, and then it's like, hey, I watched the live stream. It was really good. And like you hear that for the first time, you're like, oh, like a, a weird bit of relief is like taken. And it's like, wow, like it, this is really cool. Um, but one thing I want to touch on um, is this thing you brought up of like comparing yourself and, and using that um like looking at people who who maybe are starting off in a better point than you um if you are scared if you are comparing yourself to others like i'm not saying that i'm the end-all beat-all of of like entrepreneurship and i'm like this big like mega mind of of what to do and how to do it but i can say in a lot of ways shape and forms um i i've started off ground zero Mm -hmm. with with this stuff um both my parents are immigrants i'm a first generational uh like person here in the states um my dad worked in restaurants he was successful in it but he worked in restaurants um my mom worked at warehouses night shifts yep i do, the resources that i had growing up were non-existent the resources i had in high school were non-existent the resources i had coming into college were non-existent what I, if I had just compared myself to all these other people who, who had better resources than me, I, I would be nowhere. Yep. And I, I don't mean that in a mean way to people who, who aren't, who, who look at it and, and are on the other side of the point where they look at it they look at their lack of resources and say, what's the point? I mean, I looked at that and I said, well, I, I can try. Yep. I can at least try. And it's gotten me to where I am today. Um, which I, is something that I, I'm proud of. You know, it's, it's gotten me to be able to sit down at a table with billionaires. It's gotten me to sit down to have casual conversation with people who are really successful in their businesses. Mm -hmm. it, and, and it's something who, like, I I can very proudly say that. Yep. You know, it's like I went from having zero resources to now I have a network that, will, that allots me resources yep. in ways that high school me would have never imagined. Mm -hmm. You know, so this feeling of, like, comparison... Um, looking at your more successful friends, looking at your successful peers, whether that's in college or, or wherever it might be, 
um looking at someone like f f hell if i was to look at like um who is it what's his name justin bieber if i was like looking at like <laughs> justin bieber his birthday is like he is like a f i'm a few weeks older than him i mean i learned this in high school and for some reason it's always stuck with me. mahomes is you know younger than us patrick mahomes of course he <laughs> whatever so justin <laughs> justin bieber uh i remember someone told me it was like a week after my birthday oh we, we have a question um uh okay so this is from jackson is this on twitch um, how did you begin to identify markets and venture ideas? Do you want me to take that away? Yeah, start, start, <laughs> start that one. So go, going back into the how to, how to figure out ideas and, and th thank you actually for before we're going into some very, very like deep personal. personal yeah, <laughs> well, this, this is our, our uh, therapy right now. Yeah, absolutely. But um, as, as for identifying markets and, 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 and business ideas, the way to do it is by literally life experience and what why what like it's very broad and I, I get it's very broad but it has to start with like what are you interested in and then building life experiences around it so for yeah. example what i was talking about being a skeptic when you go to any place you should always be very skeptical of like the way that it's working right now and how do i make it better when i go to coffee shops i always wonder and trust me i'm a, I'm a weird person when it comes to this stuff but like when i go into a coffee shop i'm like why do they have that stand there why are they trying to sell this there why are they selling their product for this much money uh why do people love starbucks so much i'm like asking myself these questions consistently and it starts coming up with ideas like i start coming up with ideas immediately because i'm yeah. i'm questioning so if you the more you question the more ideas come about that being said, as a college student, unfortunately with COVID-19, you can't really do this, but studying abroad honestly was probably the biggest thing for me to come up with ideas and understand markets. Because when I studied abroad, I had no idea how Asian markets worked. Zero clue. All I do is what I heard on the news and stuff like that. And I was like, that's pretty sure that's full of crap. So then I studied abroad in Hong Kong and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. They're not everything that they're doing is with their phone. You can get on their, their metro system with your phone, yep. everything, it was way ahead of the United States. Here we're still, this was like right when Uber was like emerging, like it, it was, Uber was a thing, but it wasn't like the thing yet. Well, the LA Metro just now recently brought up app, like wireless payment. Yeah. Like the LA, like that's new. Exactly. Like where you could just like bloop, plop your phone down and now you're on the metro. And, and, I, and I saw that so early on in, in Hong Kong and I was just like, why aren't we, like this is so, like we have our phone all the time. Like. You have your, like, if you forget your wallet nowadays, isn't, you don't feel naked, but if you forget your phone, mm -hmm. you messed up. Like, you're just like, oh crap, where's my phone? I, I feel like I'm I'm lost from civilization right now and the society doesn't care about me. Like, yeah. I can't communicate with people. So I realized, I'm like, that's interesting. They're already using their phone for these kinds of, um, these activities. So looking at international markets and what they're doing in these trends, that actually can give you ideas and uh, understanding markets very, very quickly. And then I also realized when I was in Hong Kong that they could care less about customer service. They cared about efficiency, which was very different from the United States because here, because the server industry, like you make money off tips. So to the pro and the con of servers here, like they always ask you, like, how's your food? Low key for me being a European, it's very annoying. Like somebody coming up to me like four times during my meal, like, how's the food? I'm like, I said it already. It's like, it's great. Like, I just want to enjoy my meal and have this conversation here. Yeah, yeah. But I realized in Hong Kong, what they're looking at is how fast can you get the food? And I, and I was like, oh, this is interesting too, because the cultural difference and like, how can I make US companies more efficient when it comes to the order fulfillment? And then when I studied abroad the second time in Milan, I realized they're, they, they were the complete opposite. They didn't even like accept digital payments at all. They, a lot of places didn't even accept cards. Like they wanted cash like everywhere because their systems are so old school and traditional and it's family oriented business and small businesses. 
So it's all about customer service. It's all about the experience you can build inside of the restaurant, inside of the store. That's what they hone in on. And instead of the United States, since the servers don't make money off tips, they make money off you buying the food. Their focus is just getting you into the door, having a great experience and making you want to come back. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with you getting another tip. So I, just, I saw that's also very interesting because you can change some of the business models in the United States when it comes to restaurants or like barbershops and some, some things like this. So maybe it's not tip oriented, but you make the cost up front higher, but you make the experience so good that people want to come in there. Because yes. if you ask Americans, they tip and Americans like to tip to an extent, but they still will not tip like 20% plus. But it, what if you added that 20% premium into your price up front and say there's no tip? That's interesting because it's different, right? Yep. Like that, those kinds of things I realized really quickly just traveling and experiencing the world. And it was the same thing. Uh, for the founder of Starbucks, he, he said the biggest thing for him where he came up with these ideas was traveling. Like when you travel, you see things that you you out of your bubble. Yes. And I don't mean that you just have to travel internationally. Just go across the United States. Yeah. You can see things in Texas that might be great in, the, in California. You might see things in, in South Dakota, <laughs> even though I'm not going to go to South Dakota anytime soon. But like you'll find things there that are very unique to small town vibes that you can maybe bring to a very small town in California. So looking at these um, gaps in markets and reusing the information you get from somewhere else to bring it into an idea, that for me at least is the easiest way to come up with market solutions and ideas. But it really comes down to being a skeptic. You have to challenge what exists now. You have to challenge it. Because if you do not challenge it, you say it's okay, you're not going to come up with an idea. Because what your ideas is going to be is something that is either completely different and disruptive and that's way harder to develop a, a company out of that mm-hmm. versus something that just is that small change that we're talking about and you can really make value out of it. Yeah. And I think even touching on the restaurant ideas, if you are fortunate enough to go to any, I would say two, two Michelin star restaurants here in the States, one Michelin star, it's hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like, but for sure, once you get to like two Michelin stars, you sit down, you, you're, you are there for the experience. You're not there for good customer service. And, and they know that. So they sit you down. They're amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that it's bad service, but they sit you down. They get you water. They ask what you want to drink. They bring you that. And the, and you're constantly being refilled, but they're not like refilling and asking like, how's the food going? Because you're at a Michelin starred restaurant. The yeah. food isn't ever going to go bad for the most part, unless you're like <laughs> allergic to something, in which case don't be there. <laughs> um, uh, but you, you're eating this food and there is a respect for conversation at these places and and i think the respect for conversation exists in europe i mean i know, remember when i traveled there it was you are given your food and anytime your water looks low um or maybe your coffee or your drink is looking low they'll come and refill that yep. so as long as is it something that they do um they'll come and refill that and they don't say a word to you yeah um because they they want to take this fly on the wall approach where they want you to experience this sort of thing and just be there in conversation with the person that you're at and mm. experience good food because i mean it's literally proven that the happier you are the better food tastes like that that if you like like a, a fact um one restaurant that exists i think it's here in the states um and i think it's somewhere in new york i, I really wanted to go there. i don't know if they still do this but one of their menus one time had it to where you would walk into the room there would and they would all they would sit every single person there at the exact same time so it wasn't like uh like instead of it being like reservation at this time for one table it was a reservation for the restaurant Mm -hmm. um so you'd go into the restaurant you'd sit down and there would be no food nothing in front of you except for a little tiny cow yeah and 
uh, like a like a plastic cow in the middle of each table and like sometimes 30 minutes pass and there's no waiters no servers nothing they're just sitting there in silence like getting angry sort of you know um and then what typically ends up happening is one person picks up the cow to see like what the heck this thing is yeah and they shake it and immediately the cow does like like when it's like tilted left and right it's one of those things it's yeah. like a toy and oftentimes people just start laughing because like it's like it's cutting the silence of the room it, it's something that makes them happy and then you have a whole room of people who are now shaking the cow to make this moo sound and immediately that's when that's when the food comes out that's when the salad comes out that's when the starters come out that's when the water comes out oh, that's, that's so when all smart. the servers come out um, so the chef waits for that. The chef has the chef has everything planned for the minute he hears the first cow. That's when he starts prepping the salad. Because then everyone's going to start shaking their cow. And then boom, the food goes out. Everyone's happy. Everyone's laughing. No one's in a bad mood. And now they have food. So the food's going to taste better. Yeah. The experience is going to be better. Um, you, and you, he, you identify this. Uh, at least the chef identified this um, through research. So you're constantly looking at ways to improve. You're looking at how to make a venture better than it's been before. Um, and you're constantly being a skeptic. You know, you could serve the same meal over and over again and people are going to be happy. But at some point, you have to figure out a way to make it better. Everyone has served a steak. Every restaurant has a steak. How can you make your steak better? How can you look at that steak and go, I could do it better? Whether that's you making it a better experience or you literally making it a better steak. Yep. That's, I think, how you how you identify new venture ideas is, like you said, have a skeptical mind. Um, but also have a, have an anal analytical mind yep. where you are not just resting on your laurels and you're actually looking at science and looking at like how to make people happy because mm -hmm. especially if you're in a service industry, follow that stuff. That chef wouldn't have ever found that out had he not looked at a research study on happiness and how people correlate flavors of food with that, you know, and he, he did it and it was wildly successful. Like it was, you know, it's, it's a cool premise. Um, but yeah, it's something where like, depending on where you go, if you go to like a small little cafe in the Midwest, um, you sit down and they cater to your every whim, you know, you sit there cause your family there, yep. you know, you sit down and they ask you how your day's been. They have conversation with you. Um, and that has value, um, mainly because the food is food. Like mm -hmm. it's oftentimes you're not there for the experience. You're just there, um, to get some food and it's just nice that you also get the experience. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why you go back to those. That's why you have like, oh, there's a cafe where I go back to all the time because like maybe the food's OK, but I like to be able to maybe have a conversation with some of the servers or have a conversation with like the cook that's in the back. Um, identify the pain points, identify what's more important to you, depending on where you're going. Is it the service side of stuff where like you just can create a better service or is it the experiential side of things where you can create a better experience? Yeah. And the, the to kind of go into your point, what you're talking about, like looking at research, being scientific and like looking at data. One of the one of the like really, really good piece of advice I got was from um, from Tim Brown, the founder of Allbirds. He said that you can collect data all you want and you can look at research all you want, but all you need is one insight. So don't don't get caught up in the, you have to do everything. Find one insight, test it, validate it, prove it and push it into your business. Um, and as a little like little business strategy lesson for anybody who's listening, when you're building a business, you have you have to look at what is your core competency. What are you really, really, really good at? Mm -hmm. What are you good at? Double down on it. Hit home on it. If it's good at experiential, make it the best experience possible and trump all your competition based off that experience because then people want to talk about you. But you have to look at 
where competitive advantage, you can either go low cost leader and just be very, very cheap, be the Walmart strategy, right? Or you can be, you can differentiate and then don't, you're all about value based and you're, you're building value and you're, you're making it so unique. When you're building businesses, you have to look at those two options because you can build a business that's just very affordable, cheap, and you can get it in front of people's hands. People will buy it because they're looking at cost effectiveness. Right now, where we're at in the market is experiential. We're in the most experiential market ever in US history. So what that means is people are looking for experiences and they're willing to pay for those experiences. People will still go to Walmarts and buy their buy their steaks and their food and stuff like that because they know they'll get it for the cheapest price there. Or you can build out strategies like Trader Joe's where it's you're building the, the the entire framework of it is like, you know, their own labeling and their white labeling and the experience inside of the store is the way they put their aisles and all these kinds of things. They split it. So that's where I would be looking at if I'm like really trying to build a business, right? First is like come up with the idea, look at the market, but then choose which route do I want to take? Is this something that I want like a lot of people to buy because it's just low cost leader, it's cheap, affordable, I can do it very efficiently, better than anybody else, right? And I don't really have to worry about like the experience around it. It's just, I can do it better than everybody else for cheaper. Or I'm making this experience something that people are going to talk about. Yep. For me, I always prefer the experience route because that creates a brand, that creates awareness, that, that creates a viralization effect. Um, what you're talking about with that restaurant in New York, like once you go there, you're going to talk about it. Absolutely. It's such a unique thing, right? That everybody's going to be like, oh man, remember when I was just, you know, like moving around the cow and then we got our food and like, that's like, you won't forget that experience. Yeah. And I, I used to always think like, why do you pay so much money to go to restaurants? Why do you pay so much for like Wagyu steaks the and experience. all these things? It's the experience, man. Like you experience it, you're going to talk about it and you're going to really remember that for the rest of your life. And that's powerful for that business because of word of mouth. Yep. Word of mouth always will be the number one source of marketing information because it goes through the entire buyer journey that customers have. If I told you, because you already have trust in my opinion, to then check it out and then go buy it versus if I'm sending you ads and marketing and all these kinds of things. Yep. Um, so yeah, as, as somebody who wants to get into business, that's definitely, definitely important. Um, do we have any other questions before we kind of close out this segment as for entrepreneurship and take a little quick break? Uh, before we go into our section on the roast for the Quibi. Yeah, if anyone has any questions, just type them into the chat right now um, and we can we can kind of address some stuff because I, I think, yeah, I think entrepreneurship, um, especially in college or in general, is just really important. Yep. Um, is figuring it out and, and figuring it out in a way that makes a bunch of sense. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, that's kind of that's just me in in a lot of ways like it's it cuts back to what we were saying um just do it just figure it out you know i think i think we actually just got a question right now all right uh from jackson again so uh would you suggest uh, would you suggest pursuing shopify and e-commerce i want to say at the same time uh, well i feel like we're gonna we might i don't know it, i think it's gonna be the same thing all right someone count us down all right three two one yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. 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 Okay. Cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, I was just the, like, hold on. Yeah, we might have to have. Yeah, you know, have to switch, <laughs> switch these bad boys around. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh. Uh, drop shipping. I, I would still. I would still say yes for the experience. But if you're going for the money, then absolutely not. So that. That's. That's where I kind of my 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 line goes because I I don't I I don't want to ever say that like it look it it's a 
it's the cheap way to make money in, in entrepreneurship. I'm not going to even, I'm not yeah, going to say a lot of overhead costs. There's not a lot of overhead costs. It's a cheap way to go about it. I'm not going to say that it's just, it's not entrepreneurship by going that route. It definitely is. Mm. You're seeing a market need, but the reason why I'd be very cautious of it is because it's oversaturated. Everybody's talking about it. Like, Everybody. look, here's here's the thing. If everybody's talking about some way to make you money and they say you're going to make money quick, it's usually full of shit. And I'm like, once, <laughs> I agree with you. Once you get the first YouTube ad that goes, wait, 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 don't skip. Let me tell you, you can be a millionaire by doing drop that's when you go ah, i can't be in that market because there there's yeah <laughs> hey just me and my me and my garage and have a have a lamborghini behind you or something like that you know like all this knowledge all those books um <laughs> it hey, sounds what, like what, a side swipe at somebody you know <laughs> yeah oh you think um when you have people like that when you have people who are now experts in a market that didn't exist six months ago um that is one that's people who made money really quickly because they got early in um to gain that sort of experiential knowledge and then who are now trying to sell yep. that experiential knowledge because of the fact that they're not making as much money anymore yep and that's the thing if if um i'm not gonna say any names but if that person who who's in that industry is making enough money on just drop shipping alone or uh yeah let's just stick with drop shipping right now is making enough money on just drop shipping then they would still be doing that yep. why would they allocate more res- why would they allocate resources to building a curriculum it takes a lot of time it takes a we lot know of time. because we've been we've been working on one and yeah. like i wanted to have it done now and like realistically it it's gonna be like time. four months from now it's gonna be done it takes a lot of time to build a curriculum so like these are people who are not seeing as much money as they used to who are realizing that the only way to leverage where they're at now is to leverage their experience yep. and try to get other people who are involved and interested in it same thing's happening with Forex right now. And, you know, it's like... <laughs> it's always been a thing, though. <laughs> it's always been a thing, but for some reason now, it's, like, massive. Like, this is the new drop. In crypto trading, yeah. that also is just ridiculous. Like, people... It's, it's bad right now. It's, there's... Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things to where, like, um, I think Shopify and e-commerce, this goes back to our, our points earlier on, which is if you're doing it because you think that you are filling a need um, for something that people want, then, yeah, go for it. You know, do that... Do that Shopify site. And if you're doing it via drop shipping, more power to you. That's just less overhead on you. You're not taking inventory in. Yep. You're you're selling them as they come, you know? Um, which is harder to do for like shirts and stuff like that than it is for merchandise directly. Yep. But it's doable. Yep. If you have the right kind of networks and, and the right kind of connections. Um e-commerce, Shopify, if, if you're gonna go if you're strictly gonna make an e-commerce store, use Shopify. Yep. Hundred percent. To start, yeah. To start. Use Shopify hundred percent. Don't like Unless you already have a platform, kind of like how we have a platform and, and the way that we help our clients, we usually do WooCommerce because... Um, we can build out the infrastructure. Exactly. Day, yeah. We can build out the infrastructure in a way that's way more intricate than uh, Shopify has been. Um, I'm certain that with some updates, they can get to a really good point. But as of right now, that's the reason why we use WooCommerce for that reason. More intricate, more granular control over, over everything. Um, but if you're someone who is not starting out with that brand, not starting out with that kind of approach, Shopify, 100%. Mm-hmm. Because it's the quickest way to get in the market, and it doesn't allow, it it doesn't allow that pain point of like starting a business is hard. Yep. It's literally you sign up, you make Pick a, a landing page, yeah. yeah, you build a template, you build your landing page, and you put your product. Yep. Um, and you go from there. Whether it's the only the only real money that you're investing in. Is marketing. Yep. Um, is side. paid ads. Yeah. Is is getting that stuff out there and getting the paid ads. Um, as long as you have a good idea, or as long as your merch is good, or as long as you're not knocking off other artists. Yep. More power to you, man. Start that. Start that uh, e-commerce platform. Start the Shopify site, um, and try to make some money. 
obviously you have to be able to make money yeah like that's the thing you know you you can't um you, you can't exist on not making money um you don't have the luxury that like uh what's that one brand uh fashion nova like they were just hemorrhaging money at first yep. uh, because they had they had investment yep you know they had investment so they could they were just pumping out ad after ad after ad after ad um losing a lot of money but then what ended up happening people saw it once people saw it twice people saw it seven times yep. oh guess what there's a magic number now you start going oh okay like this is this brand's everywhere yep it's one of the things that red bull did like yep. you brought up you know it's like oh this brand's everywhere must oh, a lot of people wearing it must be something cool they invested in sending to influencer marketing they sent it to people who were then promote the stuff on their own things so you get this word of mouth traction that's also coinciding with this ad traction um and then people start going i'm gonna start buying fashion over yep and then guess what you do scale down your marketing budget and just rake in cash yep that's all they do yep fast fashion on an online platform you will never go into a store and find fashion nova at least to my knowledge you won't do that they're entirely e-commerce based direct to consumer exactly direct to consumer that's why they're a cheap price because they can do that yeah i mean to, to go into your point when it comes to like dropshipping look if you're going to build a dropshipping website um, one, f- the reason why uh, the reason why we're kind of knocking down on it is because it's really hard to find a unique product that you can build a Shopify because like there's so many people, right? So if you're going through the the building a drop shipping only works if you can find something unique on on AliExpress that literally no other store is really selling because now you're going to go in direct competition and also you cannot build a brand around it because you're not owning the brand of that product. So it's it's really hard to build a sustainable business. You can make short term wins. So if you want to go the drop shipping route, my recommendation have a budget you're willing to lose it's the same thing if you're going to go to vegas and you're going to go to you know the the blackjack tables whatever your budget is you're willing to lose that's what i recommend for it and take it as a learning opportunity to practice your using facebook pixel running facebook ads uh finding audience groupings and selling product Mm -hmm. if that's your objective for making the drop uh, drop shipping store you're not going to get mad if it doesn't work out. It might work out. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that have become successful, but like what we're talking about, once people are making ads about it, it shows that there's a downside to that market. Um, so be very cautious of that. So put in money. Let's say that your your budget is $500. It costs $29 a month to have the Shopify, and now you have a marketing budget for the next couple of months or a couple hundred bucks. Yep. Pick a product, run ad strategies, see how they work, learn that processes, and then take that knowledge you got from it because once again it's a short-term win if you make some money great once you make some money i recommend getting out of it pretty fast so you're not going to lose that money eventually but then take that knowledge from facebook ads and then now you can start working with find shopify stores and now you can say that look i can run ads for you and i can increase your sales now you got your own business from that exactly so so don't take it as in like i'm going to make this this drop shipping e-commerce platform for money sure like obviously you want to make money, but like your, your approach to it should be like, I'm doing this as a learning curve for myself, a little research project on running ads and like seeing if I can create market demand. But I recommend to you, if you're looking at e-commerce stores, look at how to build a brand because you're, you're like Fashion Nova, they built an artificial brand, but they built it into a brand. They ran so many ads. They had so many influencers that people started talking about it and it built the Fashion Nova brand. But if you don't have that brand, they wouldn't be able to downsize their marketing. That's the only reason why they were able to do that is because they built that brand first and then they downsized the marketing. So those are just some things to ponder upon. It's not entrepreneurs, not easy. There's no one way to do it. And we're not going to ever, I'm not ever going to say, don't do something. I'm just going to say, be cautious of it. Um, because Always. your, your approach needs to be, um, learning, like be in the learning phase. So especially if you're in college learning phase, like 
all I'm doing right now is learning, 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 not I'm going to make a lot of money because then eventually you might be able to make a lot of money. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Any other questions before we kind of close it out on the last kind of summary points? Wow, five new followers. Not too shabby. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. We, 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 how close are we to, to getting a, a partner? Nine affiliate? Nine more. Um, all right, five new people joined. We need nine more. If those five people make tell two, two friends, two tell, friends make fake accounts, that <laughs> no, could, no, 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 that no. could bring no, us to no, four no, more. No. no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Don't make fake accounts. Unless, hey, can't tell you what to do. Um, uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, yeah, we... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this portion right now. We're gonna take a little like five minute break, and then we're gonna go into the. the yeah, if you're watching right now, don't stop watching, please. Yep. Um, the break doesn't mean we're gone. It just means we're gonna go and like spruce up a little bit, powder our noses, <laughs> and uh, and then come back and we're gonna have another segment. Yep. Um, but the people who followed us, thank you. We we really appreciate it. Um, tell your friends about us. I mean, we do live streams every Saturday. Next week we have a very very special guest and yeah, a very special announcement too. So definitely tune in next week because we have we're going to be talking about leaving tech firms in the middle of a pandemic to start a business, which is obviously like the thing that everybody will tell you not to do. Yep. Um, and we have a very special guest for that. And then we're also going to be announcing the release of a very special platform we've been working on for the last three months. So definitely tune in for that. Um, and also on Wednesday we're going to actually have a um, a special episode. Um, it's going to be a voter special and we're going to be talking about the, the importance of engaging in local government and voting. Uh, obviously, next week is a very big voting week. Um, and what we really want to emphasize when it comes to this voter special episode is just really talking about if you're in business, you have to still engage in local government because yeah. it does impact you. Your local government is what is going to create those incentives for building your own business. All these kinds of things come from your local government, not from federal government. So we'll be talking about that. And we're also going to be talking about uh, the future of Riverside and um, how the Inland Empire is um, is growing. And we're going to have a very special guest for that. Um, but to close out this episode for any college students, just to summarize their points. Number one, get started on your idea. Number two, do not compare yourselves or your journey to anybody else. Number three, you need to practice and build experience and it's going to come from failure. So you have to become comfortable with the concept of failure. Yeah. Number four, Leverage all the programs you might have on your campus, leverage connections you might have, build out that network, build an entrepreneurial network. Number five, um, this is where you need to start building your team, learn how to pitch your idea, sell it, build a team around your idea so you can actually propel it forward. Um, and then number six, um, which we didn't really talk about, I'll, I can maybe do an episode on this later down the line, but you need to learn something called milestone financials and learn how to plan out. If I start building this venture, what is my actual capital needs to get me from point A to point B to point C? Um, and I'll, I'll dedicate a whole episode of that later down the line. I'll have some special guests to talk about that because that's something that we didn't really want to focus on today because today was really just get started and why it's important to get started. But we'll talk about um, the specifics if anybody has any specific questions on um, building out a venture. Um, yeah. Any final closing thoughts for you? Yes, I have a big one. Um, email me. <laughs> uh, if you are If you are at all like have any questions about how to get started if you have an idea if, uh, add us on linkedin add us on linkedin yeah, and add message, a, message add, me i'm add, always happy to answer add us on linkedin um if not i mean like i said if for some reason you don't have a linkedin or you don't want to connect via linkedin um i'm perfectly fine with email my email is luis l-u-i-s at freelogicmedia.com email me i don't know make it make a do the subject line like i don't know like startup help or like entrepreneurial help something like that uh, email me. We can get on a phone call. We can have a conversation about it. Um, we 
there's a ton of stuff that me and Val didn't talk about at yep. all um, about how to get started, how to go into an entrepreneurial mindset of, of uh, accepting failure and understanding that failure is a part of it. Um, but at the same time, knowing that you don't want to fail, yep. you know? Um, so yeah, uh, re- uh, preferred reach out to us on LinkedIn, but if for whatever reason you're not on LinkedIn, uh, email me and, and I'm sure we can get a conversation going, but yeah, DM us. I think both of our LinkedIn's are, are slightly, yeah, slide into the DM. <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate it. I mean, I'm Luis Macedo on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, I mean, I was, okay. My, my name just fell out as V-A-L-T-T-E-R-I last name, Salamaki, S-A-L-O-M-A-K-I. I think we probably have to throw that in the chat because it's yeah, uh, everybody uh, messes with my, Nick, my name. Can, so. can we throw <laughs> both of our LinkedIn accounts while we're, while we're take a little break, throw a uh, link, both of our LinkedIn's on the chat and, um, while we, while we take a break so people can add us on LinkedIn right now, uh, send us a message. I know you can, when you add somebody, right, yep. you can put like a little personal message, just put something like, Hey, just saw you on the, uh, on the Twitch podcast or on the LinkedIn podcast. Even are we doing LinkedIn? Not right today. Now? Not today. Not today on just Twitch. And, uh, and I appreciated what you said and I wanted to give you a follow, uh, and we can kind of get started on, on chatting in that way. Um, but as of now, we're going to take a quick little break. Yep. Um, and we will be back in like five minutes. We'll be right back and definitely tune in. We're going to be talking about a startup company that raised over a billion dollars and failed. And it'll be a very fun time because we've been yes. analyzing this I'm, company for the last three months. And we I, have a- <laughs> I am like no Shadamas when it comes down to this business. I'm excited about it. I am. I am. We've all been shit talking them like for a long time, but whatever. We'll get into it we'll into when we it. come back. We're going to cut into a break. Um, if you have to go, we understand. We hope that you can stay, though. It's just going to be a quick little five minute break and we're going to come right back. Um, but if you have to go, we appreciate you watching. Um, please follow us on our social medias, um, Freelogic Media on Instagram, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Uh, we're more active on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Um, please follow us there if you want any kind of updates and you want to see what we're doing on our day to day. Thank you for tuning into The Brew. I hope you enjoyed this episode and tell us what you thought about our conversation in the comments below. If you guys like our content, make sure to follow us on our various social media platforms and we will see you all next time.